Welcome back, everyone, to Life and Lit. This is episode 17. This week, we are switching back to our two-book format for both Latino Book Author Month and Asian American Pacific Islander Month. We're going to honor both of those this episode with two different books, one that I personally read and one that Sydney has read. So hopefully no spoilers this week as, you know, we've... We haven't read each other's books yet, but we're excited to talk about our selections. So I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. Okay, so like we said, we're going to do the two book format. We haven't done that in a little bit, but personally, I really like this format because I usually haven't read the book that you come up with and that you've read. So it gives me something to put on my list as well. Definitely. And I love getting to hear your thoughts on books. I feel like we swap books back and forth a lot. That's kind of how we got the idea for this podcast, but then there'll always be those random ones that you've read and I haven't and vice versa. So it's fun to get to, to talk about those and in a spoiler free manner. So it's not as in depth as some of our other episodes. Yeah. It's always fun to do this format. So I thought I would kick it off tonight. Like we said, we're honoring two different um, occasions tonight with Latino Book Month, uh, my book is by a Latina author and about her immigration to America and her experience in America. And you chose a book by an Asian American author. Yes. So to kick it off tonight, I will be talking about the book Once I Was You by Maria Hinojosa. She is a Latina author. She's also a journalist. Funny enough, this book was actually the first nonfiction book I read in my new, like, vow to read more nonfiction and more diverse books. This is the one that kicked it off for me. I read it back in December, actually, in New York. That was my train book. Yeah, that was my train book whenever I was traveling to meet you in New York City. Awesome. Well, I love yeah. that little tie-in. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was appropriate because she lives in New York City, and so it kind of got me in the mood. But Maria is a very accomplished journalist. She has worked for NPR, CNN, CBS, and PBS. Her early work and really most of her work focused on pieces that highlighted immigration issues and celebrated diversity. She also created the Futuro Media Group and is co-host of the podcast In the Thick, which is Futuro Media's uh, political podcast. She is an executive producer and anchor of Latino USA, which is a Peabody award-winning piece. She contributes regularly to CBS Sunday Morning. She's a guest on MSNBC. She has a talk show on WGBH. I mean, this woman has no free time, I'm convinced. She when does has she sleep? Done it all. <laughs> exactly. Well, that is one of the points she makes in her book is how little sleep she gets because she's also a mother of two. 
wow she has her family yeah oh absolutely and she has her own day in October uh, blessed by New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio October 9th 2018 um, is was Maria Inahosa day in New York City yes she was she's considered one of the 25 most powerful Latino women by several publications but her Rhea really kicked off with a PBS Frontline story that she did back in October of 2011 called Lost in Detention. She was one of the first to explore the abuse at immigrant detention facilities. So she has a very successful career. She's worked really, really hard for it. She's had quite the life. book is about how she and her family immigrated here from Mexico for her father's research, he got a job at the University of Chicago and he basically uprooted his entire family and moved them up to Chicago. So it's about growing up as a Latina American and, you know, not really identifying well with one or the other, you know, with Mexico or with America. So it was a very, very different read for me. Very interesting. And I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And just to get a glimpse into her life and all that she's yes. accomplished and yes. what led her to those steps, that sounds really good and inspiring. Yes. And as a reporter, you know, a journalist, she knows how to weave a story and she knows how to tell very important stories in an unbiased way like this book although it was about her life there is some bias in that aspect she but she really weaves the story um just very neutrally and she calls for americans to kind of open our eyes to the immigration crisis and understand how it affects us all in a way that's not bashing america it's a way to help us to understand what is going on that you know beyond closed doors and areas that we can't see and how it truly affects us it's not just truly affecting one person or run one group of people it's really affecting us all um so that was really interesting and she does it in really such a beautiful way but this book you know very heavy material obviously uh but not a quick afternoon read I should say like it is pretty heavy and it goes pretty in depth but I highly recommend it but it's important subject matter and I think it's important for those stories to be told and to be told from the perspective of people who've actually lived it and who have experienced the problems with our immigration system and the things that immigrants faced firsthand Versus just hearing about it on the news from a news anchor reporting a story that doesn't hit quite as close to home as when you're reading a firsthand account from someone. So that's yes, really absolutely. Really important. And one of the things that really kind of hits you right off the bat is when her family was immigrating over here, her father went to Chicago first and started his work there in order to bring his family over. And then he sent for her mother and her siblings and herself. She's you know, the youngest in the family. So she was an infant 
when they came over and she almost wasn't allowed in because she had a rash, you know, just from like a diaper cream or something, just an everyday rash. She wasn't sick, Mm -hmm. but the border agent almost didn't let her in. They wanted to separate her from her family and send her family on and then keep her behind at the immigration detention facility because of a rash and her mother in that moment. I mean, I can't imagine going to a foreign country or really going anywhere and saying, you know, we have to take your baby, but you need to go on. Like you need to either send the rest of your kids or stay with, you know, with this child. And so her mother, you know, she had worked hard to learn English and she stood up to him and, and she was like that. No, like I am not leaving my child behind. This rash is from something very simple, something every day I can tell you exactly what's going on. It's not the disease that you or accusing her of having. And she really just like stood up to him and put her foot down and was like, no, you are not taking my child from me. And he backed down and let them in and let them all in as a family. And so just to start off like that and to have that introduction to your new home, I can't even imagine. And it's like, it's so great for her that she was able to do that. But it's the thing where... It, that never should have been an issue in the first place. Exactly. Like, and how many people have were not able to stand up for themselves or weren't didn't yes. have this the language skills or the gumption to do that, and then they get separated. It's just uh, yeah, because this was several decades ago. You know, now I don't know if that would happen. I don't know if they would just let them through just because she put her foot down. You know, like it's it's very different now. I feel like the system is very different now. Um, but yeah, to just start off your whole journey to a new life that way had to be very intimidating. And, you know, I'm proud of her mom for standing up and, you know, saying you're not taking my child from me. But Maria does a, a great job of detailing, you know, Growing up on the south side of Chicago, you know, she longed to be seen as American, but she also wanted to be seen as Latina, and nobody really seemed to accept her as one or the other. You know, in America, she said she was too Mexican, but in Mexico, she was too American. So Mm -hmm. she kind of went through early stages of life without this sense of belonging, which is something we all strive for and we need in life you know we need to feel the sense that we belong and that's something that she really had to search for and she ended up moving to New York City for college she studied at uh, Bernard College and that's where she found her passion for journalism as she was a radio host for the local college station and she kind of found her group there and you know because New York City is one of the most diverse cities. So she found all these people who maybe didn't have one place that they belonged, but they belonged there. And that's how she felt. So she really started her career off with a bang there as the radio host, had a very successful college station, you know, kind of brought it back from, you know, almost ruin. You know, they were about to cancel the show and, and she saved it. For, with her ability to find a story and her talent in telling this, that story. But like I said, this book, it's 
sometimes hard to read, but like we both said, it is an absolutely, it's a necessary read um, just to see one, somebody's viewpoint that I would never personally experience. It's very humbling, um, but it's something that I think everybody should educate themselves in. And it's truly, it was truly inspiring to read her story to see just how hard she fought for what she believes in. You know, she is very successful. I just, I read, you know, that was a very, very uh, edited version of her list of accomplishments. I kind of had to pick through the ones that, you know, I thought people might recognize because she has a ton of awards. She's, she's been recognized around the world, but she really had to fight for fight for it and she almost lost it a few times you know she lost jobs because she was a woman or because she was latina you know she lost jobs and she really had to fight so that's another kind of theme throughout the book is about working and gaining success in america as a latina but also as a woman so there were parts that I could relate to, you know, as a woman trying to be successful in America and really like prove your worth. She also really puts an emphasis on that as well, which is incredibly inspiring. I love that. It sounds like a really good story of determination and absolutely being able to overcome whatever your circumstances in life um, and how to make change so that other people maybe won't have to face the same struggles that you did. And I think that's really important. Yes, exactly. And I think that ties back into the title of the novel, you know, once I was you and she's, I think that's her telling the reader and telling the world. Yes. I'm, I have this position of power now and I'm this well-known journalist and reporter and I have all these awards, but once I was you and this is what I had to do to overcome that and to overcome all these obstacles. And I will say there is, you know, no spoiler alerts here. Like we said, we're not doing an in-depth review, but I will say trigger warning because she does um, detail sexual abuse that she suffered. Um, It was hard to read, of course, but I do feel it was a necessary part of her telling her story and because you see how she heals and overcomes that because that's of course a major obstacle in her life and in anyone's life who suffers sexual abuse. So she does overcome it. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, she has a family, but she also details her struggles of juggling that family and having success and, you know, kind of the marital problems that, really fighting for and striving for that success brought upon her marriage. So just overall a super, super inspiring book. I recommend it to everyone. It is absolutely a, like a very detailed read. It's not a quick read, but I think everyone should read it. And one book review I read, I thought, just encapsulated it perfectly she says it recognizes the american dream but says do not look away from all the others for whom america is a nightmare and that's That's powerful it's yeah chills 
But that is exactly how this book should be described. That's perfect. I will definitely add that to my list because that sounds different than what I've mostly read. So I'm like, I love the idea of branching out and, and reading about real thing, like real problems here in America, and then maybe some solutions or, or ways that we can all try to improve them together. So. Yes. And that starts with education. Yeah. I love it. Well, good job. Yeah. So that's my very quick review. No spoilers of Once I Was You by Maria Inahosa. Awesome. Well, for my book this week, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about two. I'm really just going to focus on an author as a whole, I guess. And so May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And so I was trying to think back on some of the books I've read that would fit in either of these categories. And I thought about the author Celeste Ng, because I have read two of her novels now. She has two novels and then one coming out later this year. And then she's got a ton of short stories. But she is a Chinese-American author. And I have enjoyed both of her books that I've read. So I'm going to just touch briefly on them. Um, But about Celeste, she grew up as the child of parents who immigrated immigrated from Hong Kong and she is very successful like I said she's got three novels her first two that have been published have been on the New York Times bestsellers she has won awards like the Massachusetts Book Award the Asian Pacific American Award for Literature Um, she's been on the New York Times bestseller list for over a year so her books have oh wow yeah she's a harvard grad and she also went to the university of michigan to get her mfa she and her family live in cambridge now so i thought that was interesting Uh literally just today (laughs) booked flights to boston for this fall to stay in boston cambridge and salem so i was like oh my gosh we're gonna be in the same neck of the woods which one thing I like about both of her books is that she weaves parts of her like hometowns and her experiences into them, which I really like. So her first novel is called Everything I Never Told You. And it's about I, I recognize a, that name. Or like yes. that title. Yes. It has, was super popular and super successful. It's about a mixed race Chinese American family. Uh, middle-class family and their eldest daughter goes missing and then is found drowned in a lake so it's a little bit of a thriller of like what happened who done it type thing but then it's also ultimately a story about family and ambition and lost dreams which I really resonated with. It's told in like alternating timelines. So it'll go to the current day when the older daughter, Lydia, is missing and then found dead. And then it will kind of get told in flashbacks and backward storylines of 
things that happened when she was growing up and things from her parents' life before they were married until the the two timelines eventually converge near the end. And it was super interesting. And in interviews with the author, she mentioned how she drew on some of her experiences in like a mixed race family and her Mm -hmm. experiences as a Chinese American growing up. And so I thought that was really interesting and makes it more impactful how it's woven into the story. But I definitely would recommend that one. Yeah, that sounds great. Yes. And then her second book, I'm sure most everyone has heard of, but it's called Little Fires Everywhere. Oh, yes. You have mentioned this one several times to me. Yes. So this was, this is actually her second novel, but this was the first one that I read. And then I went back and read everything I never told you, but Little Fires Everywhere is really good. It was, I remember it being like an it book back when it first came out, like everyone was talking about it. So I thought I've got to read this book and it's so good. And of course now it has been adapted into a Hulu series starring Reese Witherspoon and Carrie, Carrie Washington and Joshua Jackson. So that has been super popular, but it's about two families, the Richardsons and the Warrens. And they live in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which is a real town. And it's part, it's where Celeste Ng grew up for part of her life. So again, she's like weaving her hometown experiences into it. But it's like, I think it's called a, a planned community or there's some name for it that it's very, very strict on the town codes and like what they allow there. It's just kind of an, it seems like an odd little town, (laughs) but also really like town code. What? (laughs) Yeah. Just really like intentional. I guess the town is very intentional on the way they have structured themselves and like what businesses they have in town and how you can keep your lawn and all these kinds of things. It kind of sounds like a giant HOA, basically. Oh, yeah. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like Nashville, Illinois. They have, like, the whole lawn requirement and everything. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. See, I only I know that because Keith is from there. And, like, he made some, like, offhand, like, glib remark about that. Oh, man. My town is not like that. <laughs> Thank yeah, goodness, no. because I would probably be that person when my lawn is too young, <laughs> too tall. I oh, I'm not. sure. I'm sure the town I live in now is that way. In oh, fact, yeah. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm just gonna say 100 percent sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which is why I don't have a yard. <laughs> yeah, that's that kind of life is not for me. <laughs> no, but it's a really interesting concept. So these two families live in Shaker Heights, Ohio, and the Richardsons are your stereotypical perfect family, quote unquote. They have mom and dad, very successful father, and four kids, I believe. And their mom is like very waspy, 
like following the status quo and very much into the looks and how things are supposed to be and how your life is supposed to go and Okay. really wanting her children to fit this mold So like the and picket fence, yes American wife. Okay. yes and so that causes some tension Is that when Reese Witherspoon? yes <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. but she does a good job Oh, in that I'm role sure she does. I mean She's yes. I love both Reese and Carrie. So I I yes can't believe I haven't watched this yet, but. and then the husband is played by Joshua Jackson and he was on Dawson's Creek so I just, just for that like I don't even care about his character I just wanted to watch every scene that he was in but Yeah. <laughs> oh they my gosh. the Richardsons own this rental house and they rent it out to Mia Warren and her 16 year old daughter Pearl and Mia is new to town she's a free spirit she's an artist she's got kind of a grunge vibe about her this is set in the 90s which I also loved um but Pearl and one of the Richardson kids um become really close so Pearl starts to go to school with all of them and the son the Richardson son becomes good friends with Pearl and has a crush on her um Izzy is the youngest Richardson child and she's I don't want to say troubled she just doesn't fit in with her family like Lexi and Trip are the oldest two and they're the the jock and the cheerleader and the popular girl so they really fit into this whole mode mold that their mother wants for them and then the third son Moody he's a good kid he's Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Did you say Moody? yeah I don't think that's his real name, but that's <laughs> what he goes by. okay. <laughs> So I was that's like, you're what just I'm going setting with. him up for failure. No, Okay. <laughs> no he's uh, – I hate to use the word normal because that's following into that whole stereotype. But he's he's just like a nice a nice kid, like studious and quiet. Okay. He's, he's not the football player that his older brother is, He's but not moody. I thought. yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. he's not – he does not fit into his name or I don't think he does. Okay. <laughs> If anything, Izzy, the last daughter, should be called that because she is defiant. And if her mother says jump, she'll sit right down. She just doesn't want to do anything that her mom wants her to do and is this really contentious point. And Izzy starts to look up to Mia because she's a free spirit and she doesn't care what other people think. You know, she's a single mother. artist living life on her own terms and so the family's the whole novel centers around their family interactions and how it it's kind of grading on elena the mother that there's this new girl in town and she's shaking things up and she's causing a stir in her own family and so it's really interesting it's it kind of plays out in like small little scenes. Like when you read Yeah. the novel, you can see it, how easily it translated to the screen, which I loved because I read it before I watched the show. I wanted to make Yes. sure that I did that. I need Um, to do that because I just said yeah. I really want to watch the show, but yeah, I plan on reading Well, the book and they're first. different. So the show, Oh, okay. yeah, the show ends differently than the book. 
Oh, which normally I hate that, but actually yeah. this way I like the way the show ended better, which oh. feels feels wrong to say that. Yeah, like I was like, that's kind of sacrilegious. To there. Say <laughs> on a book podcast that I like the show better, but I just think it had it tied it together and it had a little bit of a twist I guess that I just really liked yeah and then there's this whole side plot in the movie and or I mean in the show and the book that you know you're watching everything happening with the Richardsons and the Warrens and how they're all interacting and are the kids going to get along are they not and then there's this whole side plot with Elena's friends who have are struggling with infertility they've tried to become parents several several times and so they end up adopting they get the gears in motion to adopt a little girl whose mother lives in town and um there's this whole side plot where then the mother kind of takes back or goes back on the adoption And so there's this trial of, of who's going to become this little girl's parents basically. And so that's really setting, it's dividing the town and it's dividing the Richardson's and the Warren's even more than they already are. So it's, it's really interesting. Honestly, I liked that part just as much as the parts about the family because it made you think like, who's in the right here? Yeah. Is it this family that, has legally done everything right and they've taken all the right steps to adopt and they were promised this baby and they've paid all the medical bills and they're ready. They're financially stable. Or is it this mother who now feels this tug to a baby that birthed? It's just really, I think it shines a light on how complex life can be with that storyline. And then just the storyline as a whole with the two families there's a lot of a lot of things going on, especially with the four Richardson student students. They are students, but the four <laughs> Richardson kids that I don't know, it just really is a heavy hitter on the complexities of life and how things aren't always as black and white as they seem, which is hard yeah. for Elena because she wants everything to fit into this mold. Yeah. And there's a right way and a wrong way, and that's how it is. And I think this novel kind of explores that it's not that easy. And so, yeah. That sounds really good. I honestly, really good. I had no idea what this book or TV series was about. I just knew Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington were in it, so I was sold. Yes. Um, and I knew the book got really good reviews, so... I, I think was, it yeah. was I, without of, even knowing what it is about. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's watch it. Let's read it. Absolutely. I think it was one of a uh, Reese's book club picks. Yeah. Like, when she very first started, it was one of the earliest ones. And then her company was the one that signed on to produce it into a show. And then Celeste Ng, the author, served as a co-producer on the show. So I love that. I always love when they can bring an author into an adaptation because yeah, you know that they're going to keep it as true to the story as they can, or if they yeah. make changes like they did, 
it feels like okay you know it kind of had their blessing if they yeah I wonder how she felt about the ending change or was it her idea I know I would love to know that too and I loved so the show features a lot on race because Mia is a black woman and she's going in to live in a rental house and then she ends up working for the Richardsons this white family and so there's a lot of underlying underlying and explicit racial tension there and I remember reading something with the author how she never explicitly said in the book what race Mia was she kind of left it open-ended but how she really liked the way it turned out on screen and how it translated because it highlighted some racial disparities that we have in America today. I mean, it's set in the nineties, but a lot of it obviously still translates well today. And so I thought that was really, really interesting that that was a creative Liberty that they took, but I think it was really relevant and timely. So yeah, I definitely would recommend Little Fires Everywhere, the book and the show, and then also Everything I Never Told You, both by Celestine. And yeah, those both sound great. Yeah, like I said, she has a new book coming out this fall, if I can find what it's called. It's called Our Missing Hearts. I don't really know what it's about yet, but it comes out, I think, this October. So I'm for sure going to put that on my list because I really enjoyed both of these books from her. I follow her on Twitter and she, she just cracks me up. She's so funny. She'll give insights about like stories of what her son says and just, I don't know. I I just feel like I I feel like just every now and then she'll pop up on my Twitter feed. I don't know if it's maybe because I follow you. And you like it. I don't know. But every now and then she will pop up on my Twitter feed. Yes. She's just really quippy. So give her a follow on Twitter too. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, she's really funny. But definitely recommend both of those. Awesome. I feel like two great authors, two very – or three very different books, I guess. Um, Hopefully – you heard one that you're interested in reading or, you know, just looking into more um, to celebrate these two occasions this month. Yes. And make a point to either pick up one of these books that we've mentioned or think back of, and if any of the books you've read fit these descriptions and if not, you know, try to seek that out. I think that's one thing that you and I have tried to start doing yes. as we've done the podcast. And it's been a really great way to broaden our horizons and not just read the same thing over and over. Cause I feel like I especially get stuck into that trope of reading oh, yes. similar books or similar ideas and plot lines. Specifically but... World War II. <laughs> Listen, but... I wasn't going to say it, but yes, yeah, since you called us out. Yes, yes, I will. I'm unafraid. I am very true to myself. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say I don't think I've read a World War II novel since we did The Diamond Die. And that. I guess I haven't. That I was for the pod. Yeah. 
Other I than that, I've done a lot of thrillers. I'm trying to think of what all I've read now. So we have branched out a little. Yeah, look at us go. Yes, and make sure if you're branching out, listening at home, that you try to pick something by a Latino author or an Asian American author, and yes. just get a different perspective because that's what reading is all about. Yes, absolutely. One of my very favorite parts of reading the different yes. perspectives that you get to read about and you know kind of put yourself in their shoes while you're reading so yes I hope you guys enjoyed our picks this week if you have any suggestions by a Latino author or an amazing <laughs> an Asian American or Pacific Islander author oh, please that was hard <laughs> that was hard yeah and it's just Wednesday. Anyway. And I'm not going to edit that out. Absolutely I, not. Yeah. I was like, I was about to ask you. I was like, yeah, she's going to leave that part in. <laughs> so please, you know, send us a message on Instagram. You can follow us at Life and Lit Pot. I'm blushing. Like, <laughs> Hey, you made it all the way to the end of the episode, so you're good. Man. So, yeah, follow us on Instagram, or if you would like to email us some recommendations, you can send them to lifeandlitpod at gmail.com. And as always, um, like, rate, and subscribe if you want to hear more from us. That's how we get the word out. I think we've had some new listeners recently. Um, Our listeners actually jumped and we're getting some more people on Instagram. So that's very exciting. And they were from our, I noticed that too, our first episode. I love seeing that. It makes me so happy. Yes. I love seeing that. So yeah, if you're new um, to the pod, if this is your first episode, go back and take a listen. We've done a few episodes in this format with, you know, two different books that we're discussing. I think we've actually done two or three like that. Um, and then, you know, of course, we have The Rose Code, The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. We have several Calling Hoovers. So go back and find something else that maybe you haven't listened to or something that catches your interest. Yes. And don't let the audio quality scare you on the first couple episodes we were learning we're doing better now we think we are i hope so yes thank you at least we're getting better at editing true that's been a learning curve for yes non-tech savvy person but yes yeah you can include me in there So um, that's all for this week and happy reading. Happy reading.